Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Hey, take out your Bibles and turn over to the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua chapter 22. Joshua chapter 22. We're going to look at something this morning that all of us do at one time or another, and that's jump to conclusions. If you are alive at some point in your life, you've jumped to a conclusion. You've, you've thought something was going to happen. This, this catastrophic negative thing came into your mind. You begin to dwell on it because of jumping to the conclusion. Here's a little story that kind of illustrates how people jump to conclusions that I read the other day. So there's a lady driving down the road. She has her son's pet squirrel in a little box next to her. And in the middle of the drive, the squirrel gets out of the box and runs up her pants leg, kind of like the Mississippi Squirrel Revival. She can't get it out, so she stops the car, gets out of the road, and starts trying to shake it out. A guy behind her sees this happening. She's slammed on the brakes, jumped off. She's shaking. She's obviously having a seizure. So he jumps out. He runs up. He grabs her, and he tries to hold her to keep her uh, from, from hurting herself during her seizure. But she's still trying to shake the squirrel out of her leg. Another car goes by, sees this, thinks, obviously, this lady is being mugged and is trying to get away. So he pulls out, takes out his tire tool, hits the guy in the back of the head that's trying to hold her. And as the lady falls to the ground, the squirrel runs harmlessly out up into a tree. So you have that jumping to conclusions that all of us do at one time or another. Well, over in Joshua chapter 22, we're going to see one of the classic cases of jumping to conclusions. And the first thing we see is this. Things happen in life that we do not understand. Things happen in life that we do not understand. Now, as our scripture begins, the background is really important. The children of Israel have entered the promised land. They've conquered the majority of the promised land now. The 12 tribes have gone in. They've conquered all the main areas of the promised land. But there are two and a half tribes, the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh. And they want to inherit on the east of the Jordan. You see, when they came in, they defeated two Amorite kings, Og and Bashan. And those kings uh, had lands that were very fertile, that were perfect for raising uh, livestock. And as they came in, they said, why can't we just take this land? Why can't we inherit here? And at first, Joshua said, no, that's not right. You need to go into the promised land on the other side of the Jordan. But then God said, no, they can inherit, inherit on this side of the Jordan River. But they have to go fight with the other armies. And so Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh said, if you'll let us inherit over here on the east of the Jordan, we'll go in and fight with you. Well, that time is now over. The battles are over. Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh are returning back to the land that they are going to inherit on the east of the Jordan. And that's where we pick up in chapter 22, verse 9. Chapter 22, verse 9. So the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh left the Israelites at Shiloh and Canaan to return to Gilead, their own land, which they had acquired in accordance with the command of the Lord through Moses. And when they came to Gileoth near the Jordan in the land of Canaan, the Reubenites, Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh built an imposing altar there by the Jordan River. And when the Israelites heard that they had built the altar on the border of Canaan at Gilead, near the whole Jordan on the Israelite side, the whole assembly of Israel gathered at Shiloh to go to war against them. Now, we begin by saying things happen in life that we don't understand. 
for the seven and a half tribes on the west side of the Jordan, something has happened that they don't understand. The, the two and a half tribes have returned home, and then they build this, we're told, imposing altar, this huge monument right on the Jordan River. And they don't understand, what is this monument? What's it represent? And so they're trying to figure out what's going on here, what it is, what it represents, and they have no idea what's going on or what this monument represents. Things are going to happen in your life all the time where you're not going to immediately know all the facts and you're going to have to figure out what's going on here and how you're going to do that. It's going to happen in every area of your life all the time. When Dawn and I first got married, uh, she used to like at random times just say to me, what did you mean when you said that? And I thought, what are you talking about? And it was something that might have happened a half day earlier. And she said, you said this. I've been thinking about it for a half a day. What did you mean when you said that? And then I had to think about it, and I said, well, I didn't mean anything when I said it. Sometimes I just say stupid things. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and so there, there was nothing involved. There was no uh, ulterior motive. There was no reasoning. It was just something stupid that popped into my head. And to this day, Dawn says, Chip, you've got to filter. And I'll say, that is the filter. That's the best it gets. You know, I don't know. I don't know what else to tell you there. But, you know, wondering what's going on, what's meant by some of these things. And that brings us to the next thing that we see. When that happens, we often jump to conclusions. So something happens that we don't understand. So we jump to conclusions. Dawn could have jumped to all kinds of conclusions. Uh, is he mad about something that happened earlier? Uh, is he, doesn't he not like my family? Uh, is, is he saying stupid things because he's mentally insane? You know, she could have jumped to all different kinds of conclusions on what's going on. Well, the same thing is true here with the children of Israel. They see this imposing monument that's been set up, and so they begin to jump to conclusions. Look at verse 11 again. When the Israelites heard they had built an altar on the border of Canaan at Gilead, near the Jordan River on the other side, the whole assembly of Israel gathered at Shiloh to go to war against them. Now, that's a pretty big jump. There's an altar that's been built. We have no idea what it means. So let's gather the whole army together and go to war. Can you see that's a pretty big leap that they've taken here without ever figuring out what's going on because they've jumped to conclusions. Well, what's the conclusion that they've jumped to? Read a little bit further and you find out. Look down uh, to verse 16. Verse 16. The whole assembly of the Lord says, how could you break faith with the God of Israel like this? How could you turn away from the Lord and build yourself an altar in rebellion against him now? Was not the sin of Peor enough for us? And to this very day, we have not cleansed ourselves from that sin, even though a plague fell on the whole community of the Lord. And now you're turning away from the Lord. So they think this altar is an idol that they built on the river. Now, they have no reason for that assumption. That's just the conclusion that they've jumped to. Big imposing altar on the river. It must be an idol. They're worshiping other gods. The last time we worshiped other gods, all of Israel was judged. We don't want all of Israel judged. Mobilize the entire army. We've got to kill all of them. Make sense? So they have made a pretty big jump here over what's going on with absolutely no facts as a basis at all. Now, here's the thing that sociologists find interesting. 
When people jump to conclusions, and we do it all the time, the conclusion we jump to is 94% of the time negative. It is almost never positive. You never think, oh, look, they're great artists on the other side of the Jordan. Isn't that neat, that abstract art they're building? You know, that's just neat. No, you always jump to the negative when you jump to conclusions. And then you go from a negative conclusion to catastrophe. And you go all the way off the edge because of what's happening. And that's what they've done here. They've built an imposing altar. They have no idea what it means. Must be an altar. Mobilize the army. Let's wipe them out. And so that's where they are at this particular time. Now, to jump to a conclusion means you believe an event is more likely to happen than it really is. And that's what they're doing right here. They're believing that something has happened without any reason uh, to base that upon, and therefore they need to do something about it. And we do it in every instance of our lives. We do it in things like our health. Uh, After my heart attack, every time I would have any kind of a chest pain, guess what I would think? Having another heart attack. So I'd be sitting there, I'd have a little indigestion from my 15th burrito I'd had that night, and I'd go, oh, man, oh, must be a heart attack. Don, you better rush me to the emergency room. You know, because that's immediately I've gone from 15 burritos and a little, little uncomfort to I'm having a heart attack. But people do that all the time. Oh, my stomach's a little upset. Must be stomach cancer. You know, that must be what's going on right here. And so you immediately jump to the absolute worst thing that it could be. And when we jump to conclusions, we do it basically in four different areas, in four different ways. One place we jump to conclusions is that we become mind readers. We immediately know what everybody in the room is thinking when we walk in because we're mind readers. So we walk in and we think, oh, no, they glanced over at me. They see the spot where I spilled my soup during lunch. I know that's what they're doing. Everybody is now staring at me. And so you become a mind reader when you walk into the room. A second thing that happens is that you become a fortune teller. You can predict the future. There's no reason for me to apply for that job. I know I'm not going to get it. No matter how hard I study for this test, it's not going to help. So why study at all? So you become a fortune teller and a mind reader all at the same time. A third way we jump to conclusions is that we label. We label people. We immediately know everything about people and make judgments about people because of preconceived notions and labeling. So therefore, you're my enemy or I don't like you uh, or you're somebody I shouldn't be around uh, because of the kind of clothes you're wearing or the part of town you're from uh, or the country you're from or the color of your skin. And so we label somebody and jump to a conclusion simply by the labeling. And then the last thing that we do is that we make assumptions about things. And this is what we assume. We assume that the way we think and how we view it is how everyone else thinks and how everyone else views it. And, you know, let's be honest. If they were right, they would view it your way, right? You know, and so you begin to assume things just because that's the way you view it. Now, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about here. Uh, had a couple of uh, that was good friends of ours uh, years ago. They got married and moved to another town. And when they moved to another town, his mom just assumed that on Christmas they were going to spend Christmas with her because that's what he had done every day of his life, his entire life. So wouldn't you just assume they were going to have Christmas together? I mean, just makes perfect sense. But guess what? 
Her family assumed the exact same thing. They lived in another town. Well, they will have Christmas with us because they've all, she's always had Christmas with us. And so they talk about what to do, and they decide, well, we'll have Thanksgiving with one family, Christmas with the other, and then we'll flip it the next year. And so they called his mom, who was a member of our church, and they told her, hey, guess what? We're going to have Thanksgiving with you this year and Christmas with her family. Guess how mom reacted to that? Not very well. Because she had assumed and jumped to the conclusion they're going to have Christmas with her. So she didn't react very well. So they said, okay, we'll just flip it this year and give you a year to work it out. And uh, so we'll have Christmas with you this year, Thanksgiving with them. They called her family and guess what? The exact same reaction. So they flew in and had, had uh, breakfast and lunch with his family, then flew to the other city and had supper with her family. And guess what? At the end of it, both families were mad at him because they didn't spend all Christmas Day with him. And so guess what happened the next year? They stayed home and went to another. And they said, if they're going to be mad, let them be mad with Alice. All of that happened because of an assumption that everybody's going to think the way that we are. And so you jump to that conclusion. So what have we seen here so far? We've seen things happen that we don't understand. When those things happen that we don't understand, we tend to jump to conclusions. And those conclusions are almost always negative. And when they're negative, they go from negative to catastrophe. Just like that. That brings us to the third thing that we see. We need to seek answers and find out the facts before making our conclusions. We need to seek answers and find out the facts before making our conclusions. So, the children of Israel have a meeting with the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And they give them two choices. Here are their two choices. Repent for building the idol. Tear the idol down. Choice one. Or we kill all of you. That's their choice. Repent and tear down the idol or all of you get killed. So they've already figured out what's going on. They've jumped to the conclusion it's an idol. And now they're going to destroy them because of what they have done. That brings us down to verse 21. Verse 21. Then Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh replied to the heads of the clans of Israel. The mighty one, God the Lord, the mighty one, God the Lord. They said it twice. He knows... And let all Israel know, if it had been rebellion or disobedience to the Lord, do not spare us. So they said, hey, look, you've got this wrong. You've jumped to a conclusion. God knows the facts. We're not trying to rebel at all. And so what then are they doing? Look down to verse 28. And we said, if this ever should say, if, if they ever say to us and to our descendants, We will answer, look at the replica, the Lord's altar, which our ancestors built, not for burnt offerings and sacrifices, but as a witness between us and you. Far be it from us to rebel against the Lord and turn away from him today by building an altar for burnt offerings, grain offerings, and sacrifices, other than the altar of the Lord our God that stands before his tabernacle. So what do they tell them? They tell them this, you're wrong. We didn't build an idol to worship We built a monument to remind us and you that we have one God and we're one people. And so whenever you say or whenever our children say, what what do we have to do with the people on the other side of the Jordan? We'll say, look at that monument. We worship one God and we're one people. It's to bring us together, not to tear us apart. It's not an idol. It's a symbol of our unity. 
So they were completely wrong. They've mobilized the army to destroy the eastern tribes when all the eastern tribes were trying to do was put up a reminder that they were all one together. But they had jumped to that conclusion. So what I would say to you is before you mobilize your army, maybe it's time to start getting some facts straight, okay? Maybe it's time to start looking at some things. So how do you do that? How do you begin to, when you jump to a conclusion, to back yourself off and say, just because I think that, it's not time to mobilize my army yet? The first thing is this, to realize when you jump to the conclusion, your conclusion is a guess It's not facts, okay? You're making a guess here. That's what the children of Israel did. We guess it's an altar. Let's mobilize the army and wipe them out. So before your army's mobilized, realize what you are doing is just a guess. So if it's just a guess, then what do you need? That was not rhetorical. Facts, thank you. What you need is facts. So try to gather some facts. Try to put together some things that say, realistically, what's going on? Where are we? What's happening right here? So you try to get some facts. So for the children of Israel, what would that have looked like? Now, your guess doesn't mean that you were wrong. It just means it's a guess. So the children of Israel could have said this. Okay, our guess is that that's an idol. Sure looks like an idol. Uh, and we know the last time there was an idol, all of Israel was judged. This could be very serious. So before we mobilize our army, maybe we should do something like asking them what it is. Boy, that would have been revolutionary, wouldn't it? But you try to get some facts. So before the army's mobilized, you first send the emissaries and say, uh, looks like you got an idol here. And they say, no, it's just a sign of unity. And you go, oh, okay, fine. Uh, instead of getting the whole army together. So get your facts first. Realize it's guesses. Second, get your facts together. And then you'll be able to make a better judgment. And the judgment you make here, this is real important, the judgment you make isn't going from negative thinking to positive thinking. It's not going from, okay, I've jumped off the end, it's catastrophe, to no, don't worry about it, everything's fine. It's not negative to positive. It's going from a negative jumping off the cliff conclusion to realism and facts. Okay, that's what you're trying to get to. You're trying to go from catastrophe to actual facts of what's going on here. And then that helps us pull everything together. Think about it this way. A guy and a girl are dating. And uh, they're, they're at a supper that night. And the girl keeps looking at the guy and thinking, why is he so quiet tonight? He hasn't said something all night long. I know what it is. He's seeing somebody else. He's trying to give me the cold shoulder because he's cheating on me with somebody else. I bet he's even back with his old girlfriend. I can't believe he's back with her. I'm not going to let him treat me that way. And she jumps up and says, that's it. I'm out of here. And she walks off. Now, you're the guy at the table, and you're sitting there, and you're thinking, I wonder if the Cavs can win in Boston tonight in Game 7. They haven't won the entire series. And then you look up, and you say, where did she go? You see, we jump to conclusions, and we immediately go off the cliff, and we've never got around to actually seeking the facts or what's going on. And that brings us to the last thing that we see. Seeking the truth will help bring harmony instead of division and stress. 
Seeking the truth will help bring harmony instead of division and stress. So let's see how the children of Israel react here down in verse 30. When Phinehas, the priests, and the leaders of the community, the heads of the clans of Israel, heard what Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh had to say, they were pleased. Okay, that sounds good. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, said to Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, Today we know the Lord our God is with us. You have not been unfaithful to the Lord in this matter. Now you have rescued the Israelites from the Lord's hand. Really interesting what Phineas says. He never gets around to saying, I messed up here. You know, we jumped to a conclusion. Sorry about that. What he said is, God be praised. It's not an altar. We don't have to kill you now. That, that, that's basically what he says, you know. And uh, so he doesn't, doesn't take any of the blame on himself here. Uh, he just, he just kind of says, okay, I'm glad uh, this is finally over and we all have peace here. And then look down at verse 34. And the Reubenites and the Gadites gave the altar this name, a witness between us that the Lord is God. And you can almost hear kumbaya in the background now as they're getting together and they're all uh, joining together in this happy moment when the truth has finally been found. Jumping to conclusions will cause you a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety that you don't need in your life. So when you see yourself starting to do it, say to yourself, okay, before I mobilize my army, let me realize this is just a guess and that I need to start looking for some facts here and figuring out what's really going on. Several years ago when my mom and dad were still alive, Dawn and I lived in Owensboro, and we decided we were going to come up to Louisville for a few days and see my mom and dad. My sisters had gone on a trip to New York City together, and uh, so we just came up to, to see them, uh, knowing, our, knowing our sisters wouldn't be there to bother us or anything. So, so we, we came up, and uh, we said, hey, we're going to have a big night. So we went out, and we had, we had supper. Then we went and played mini golf with the, with the kids and grandma and grandpa. Then after mini golf, we had ice cream, and then we went back to their house. And when we got back to the house, a firestorm was going on. Because in New York City, one of my sisters had called to talk to mom and dad. And they didn't answer the telephone. And oh my goodness, what's going on with mom and dad? Why are they not answering the telephone? So they call again an hour later, still no answer. Then they call at 10 o'clock at night and there's still no answer. And now panic has set in. Something's happened to mom and dad. They call an uncle. What's going on? I don't know. They call a neighbor who goes and looks in and says, there are cars in the garage. They must be here, but there's no lights on and I see no movement. They call the police. Things are going out of control. What's happened to mom and dad? And mom and dad were eating ice cream at Grater's at that very moment as it was going on. But they jumped to the conclusion that not only was it negative, it must be catastrophic. It must be really, really bad. We jump to conclusions all the time in our life. And it causes us a lot of undue anxiety and tension. But what we need to do is seek the facts and then make realistic decisions about what's going on. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you that you put up with us. That in all of our insecurities and anxiety that you love us and that you're there.
Help us to realize that you have a better life plan for us than the one that we often live. And help us to accept you, your love, and your peace that we may better handle the things that come upon us in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this time we come to our time of invitation where you're being invited to what God says to you. During this time, there's several things you can do. This altar is always open for you to come and pray at. We also have people that would love to pray with you if you'd like that. Uh, This is also a time that if you want to join this church, you come and say, I'd like to join a church, be a part of what this church is doing in this world and in this community. And the most important decision you could ever make is to give your life to Jesus Christ and say, I want to follow him as Lord and Savior. But this is your time and your opportunity as we stand together and we sing.
guys. Beautiful song, one of my favorites. Please be seated for just a second, please. Uh, Vicki Harris, is she in the crowd today? Vicki, come on down. We just wanted to see Vicki. She's wearing a very pretty dress today, and uh, this is brought to you. Where'd you get that dress? <laughs> brought to you by Talbots and uh, full, uh, full accessories. And Come on up here. You do look very nice, by the way. Uh, Vicki Harris is retiring after 21 years as the director of our Mother's Day preschool program here at Westport Road Baptist Church. 21 years, that's almost as old as I am. I mean, that's, that's for, oh, okay, we're the same age. Okay, so you're young then, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I want to say a couple of things, though, uh, about Vicki. First of all, we think we've got one of the best preschool programs around, and the people that come here feel that's the case because they know that their children are safe and cared for and loved. And almost all of that comes from Vicki and her leadership. Vicki has been a person that has worked a lot more hours than she was ever required to work because she loves and cares for the kids. She's really, this is a program that has been a part of her heart and her soul. And it's been a different kind of program because of her leadership. But more than that, Vicki, we know that the program is strong and healthy and secure because of what you have done, and it's going to go on in the future uh, because of what you've built for over two decades here. So we just want to take a second uh, and let you know how much we love and appreciate you and uh, give you this uh, small gift. This is a 99-cent card from the Everything's a Dollar store, and uh, uh, you get two of them. It's only 50 cents. And uh, no, there's a, there's a gift in there. a I did spell your name right. See, that's, that's not easy either, is it? And, uh, but to let Vicki know we love and appreciate her for everything that she has done and all she's meant to the church. I'd like for you all to let her know that as well. Uh, would you like to say something? Okay. <laughs> Go to any of those microphones. Uh, church family, I, this means so much to me, but I didn't do this by myself. It was uh, through God's leadership, uh, just allowing me uh, to be here first as a parent when Ren and I brought Tim here uh, when he was 15 months old and then had the opportunity to become interim director, well, first to teach in the program, interim director, and then director. And, but so such a great uh, MBO preschool staff. I couldn't thank uh, Brian Harris, our assistant director, enough for the last eight years that I've gotten to work with him. Um, so many of you out here, I see grandparents, staff, uh, parents of previous children. Uh, just, it's it's so great to be a part of a church that puts the young family um, first. And you all have shown that by giving sacrificially uh, to the impact campaign and by allowing us to have a fabulous new preschool facility. So as someone who got to see that in action and see what that means to have a secure facility, I just thank you uh, Appreciate all of your support, your prayers, uh, the things you've done for us over the past years, and just ask you that you would pray for who God would uh, send next and leadership, and thank you very much.
Don't forget, at 12.15 is our uh, Memorial Day picnic. And I need somebody to take a picture of Vicki and I here because <laughs> we, we have a 1,000 people a week on our, on our page that we have to humor here. All right, that, that is my phone, by the way. Okay. <laughs> Just little things. All right, uh, let's have a prayer, and then don't forget the picnic at 1215. And, Vicky, don't open your car because I have to give it to you again in an hour, okay, at the, at the second <laughs> service. So. Let's have a prayer if we could. Father, we thank you so much for Vicky and all that she's meant to this church, all she's meant in the lives of the children. Uh, that have come through these programs, and we just thank you for her. Pray your blessings upon her and Brent as they go into this new journey of their life. And, uh, Father, we pray for the mission teams that are going out to Houston with Ashlyn as she goes to Costa Rica, uh, that, Father, you give them great opportunities and blessings as they move ahead. We go out this week. Help us to not jump to conclusions, uh, but to truly uh, seek the facts that are there. And we just love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.